Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. And welcome to the latest episode of Game Ravels. I'm your host, Maximilian X, together with my uh, buddy and uh, co-host, Sean Templar. How are you doing, Sean Templar? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, all things considered. Um, yeah, everything is going okay. Um, news is a bit slow, but for the news that there is, it is very interesting at the very least. So let's just, yeah, let's just dive right in and uh, get to it. We have more time that way. So we know we know that the world's a little bit not great right now because of a certain thing that's going on. Um, and it's been halting a whole bunch of stuff. And, well, let's face it, it's not been the greatest uh, time of it. But that hasn't stopped the rumor mills from churning on, has it? Uh, well, I think that's the least you can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, a lot of people know that we've been talking about the next-gen consoles almost every episode now. Yeah. Uh, because it's... At least let me put it this way. Until recently, I thought it was definitely going to be a sure thing. But after all the events with the whole world going into utter chaos about a virus and that we might actually end up in a Last of Us kind of era, if this keeps on going, (laughs) um, I think next-gen consoles might actually either be delayed or might have low supplies because, um, you know, the countries that are affected hardest by this virus are also the countries that are responsible for manufacturing a lot of things. Um, The latest rumor is that Sony will apparently launch a PS5 Pro next to the regular PS5 um, and that this will be like a true Pro Pro machine, kind of following in the rumor that Microsoft might also do it. Um, The only thing that's really known about it is that the regular PS5 will have a GPU capable of 9.6 teraflops of compute power and the pro will do around 12 or 13 um i don't know if that's like a really big difference i'm not an expert in teraflops compute and stuff like that um but yeah and apparently they're gonna also include some kind of subscription service to it which sounds really strange i don't know why they would do that that would make no sense oh i hadn't heard that rumor yeah i saw it and is a bit strange I don't know why they would want to do it. I mean, people are like, in the Netherlands, people are a bit hesitant of subscriptions. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are also rumors that the, that maybe the consoles could be delayed or that when it comes out that the component shortages that are being caused right now because, well, basically nobody's producing any, anything or in low quantities that uh, if they come out, that the supply will be pretty constrained. I mean, I read, for example, yesterday that Nikon, the camera manufacturer, is postponing the launch of their top-of-the-line D6 DSLR because they simply don't have enough components for it. Yeah. I mean, that's not the only thing that's being, uh, you know, delayed. I mean, even even in the movie industry, the latest James Bond movie that's supposed to come out in April got delayed to November. Yeah, because of Just because 
just because of coronavirus, you know. So, I mean, I guess we'll I, only time will tell and see what's going to happen. But let, but yeah, I'm not surprised because we we because the the rumors about um, the next generation of Xbox being uh, multiple machines. I mean, the naming already proves it. Series X mm-hmm. already proves it that they're plan either they're planning ahead or they are planning to s- s- close to simultaneously launch multiple versions of the next generation of xbox and the cherry on top of course for microsoft is that whole um you know buy one and it's available on all your available platforms um i honestly don't understand why they would do it i mean and i've said this before i mean they can play this so smartly by saying Okay, we're going to make two boxes. We're going to position two boxes. One will be the Xbox One X, which will be entry level 4K, which will be available for, I mean, for example, two ninety nine. So if you want 4K, sixty FPS gaming, you can get it at that level. And they've said that going forward, for the foreseeable future, all games will also come out on Xbox One. So mm-hmm. not a lot of incentive to upgrade, or at and, least the first year. Yeah, and then. If you want, if they could, they should. They should like, okay, you know what? The Xbox Series X is going to be like the the ultimate tier of 4K gaming or 8K gaming or whatever it's possible, and that's going to be 399, 449, 499, something like that, so that they like have these two distinct tiers in which people can step in. Same goes for PlayStation. You put the yeah. PS4 Pro. You say this is entry level 4K with with checkerboarding. Is two ninety nine, or I think they can even go two forty nine because they've been producing that thing for quite a while now, so it should be cheap to make it two forty nine. And then the PS five is just one box, twelve teraflops, like the, the whatever they want to put into it. And they say like, okay, this is four forty nine, four ninety nine. So there's yeah. like a clear distinction between the way you can play it. Also, if people don't want to invest heavily into the next gen and say, you know what, I'll just wait till it gets cheaper. I can buy a PS4 Pro or a One X. That's a more logical way to go instead of saying, okay, we're going to do two boxes and we're going to probably with two boxes also have different SKUs because of storage and whatnot. So we're going to kind of create confusion around consumers to what to get because yeah, um, people always want the pro version, but if the pro version is six hundred dollars or euros, well, nobody's gonna get the pro version. But here's the thing, though. They can. Here's the thing. Because of the because of the 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 smart delivery system, that's the one. Because of the smart delivery system, it doesn't matter if they're creating chaos. Because again, they can buy one version of the game and it'll be available on any version. I but mean, is I'm that something they're going to do for all games? Because for now, they only said it's going to. They're be doing it for their games. Okay. They're doing it for their games, and CD Projekt Red has committed to um, uh, Cyberpunk uh, the 2077 <laughs> being also also supporting smart delivery. So yeah. it depends on the uh, developers, the publishers, to support it. But Microsoft themselves said that they're doing that anyway. So. I think Sony should do it as well because Sony can't stay behind and say we're not doing this because then they will get a lot of issues about it. Yeah. The only thing that I'm worried about in both cases is that you're going to have not just, you know, Xbox One X and um, the Series X and whatever the other one is going to be called. 
remember they still sell the xbox one s and they sell the sad yes like they're gonna have five different skews this holiday season should everything go okay assuming that the other one is also coming out this holiday season yeah, and that's what out. i mean like then if they're gonna if they take the approach that i just explained they should just kill off the sad and the s and the bad and the whatever just kill off all cheap xbox one s uh f- configurations and say like okay it's the one x is the new cheap uh configuration because it's 299 or 249 or whatever no, they're not gonna kill off the 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 one S because the because exactly for that reason that you're saying, they can lower the price for the one S to two hundred or one fifty and be like, this is our entry level box. All our games that are all our games from Microsoft will be compatible with this box, but regardless of which version you're buying it. Why would you buy it if you know that they're a next gen for your kids? Up? For your kids, something cheap. Like for right now, the Switch isn't cheap. Like the cheapest one you can get is the Switch Lite, which is fine. For PlayStation, the 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 slim, the, the slim is like how much? Like two ninety nine, two two forty nine, something like that. That's still pretty cheap. That's still okay. That's relatively cheap. But if you can compete at a one ninety nine, one forty nine level, wouldn't you do that? Yeah, but I mean, like. I see Sony applying the same technique and saying, "Oh, the Slim's going to be one ninety nine." I can remember what the PS two. Yeah, I mean that the odds are there that the Slim might actually get discounted to that as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean it's easier and cheaper to do it. I mean, yeah, you can get a, a Slim now for two ninety three. Two ninety three, really? That's what I see. Huh? I thought it was cheaper. No, oh. I've seen it for one ninety nine at places. Yeah, I mean, when it, they're on, like, special discounts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess time will tell, as always. Um, but uh, considering the amount of things that got canceled, GDC, like we said last time, is canceled. So we're not going to get any announcements from there. E3 uh, might actually be canceled. Might be. It, it, yeah. it could be. I mean, it's like this super big event. A lot of people are coming at it. I think... I mean, Google canceled Google I.O., for example. Um, yeah. I think it's really Facebook possible. Their own, the Facebook canceled their own stuff as well. Yeah, so I not, think. Uh, we're not going to hear anything yeah. like Oculus Rift related also in the next in the in the near future. Yeah. So that's that's think, also that's also going to be weird actually because uh, what's coming out again? Half Life Alex is about to come out. Yep. Yeah. So basically, if you haven't gotten your uh, your your VR headset in, prepare to wait longer because I'm pretty sure that that stuff is getting delayed as well. Um, in terms of like delivery, if you buy one, I think because they have to build them out of something, right? Headset. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. So, I'm not into yeah, VR, so I really don't mind. <laughs> yeah, but um, we did get one bright news, and that's a release date for Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost of Tsushima is coming out in wait June, right? Yeah, it's in June. It's like yeah, a month June twenty sixth. Yeah, wait, yeah. a month after. A month after Last of Us. Last of Us comes out in May. Ah, gosh darn it! Thought it was in April. No. Oh no! Wait, it got delayed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I still have the old date in my okay. head. 
<laughs> I know that you're as super excited as I am, so, uh, you know. Uh, come on, man. I'm at the very least curious. And speaking of, you know. I can do a prediction now that, I mean, Last of Us will probably get tens again across the board from all the big sites except for Polygon. They will probably give it a six and a half instead of a seven and a half this year just so they can attract a lot more people to their site because, I mean, of course, if you give The Last of Us 1 a 7.5, that's clickbait, man. You won. <laughs> and I hope that the same dude that reviewed the first one reviews the second one so he can bitch and moan about what he doesn't like on the second one, which they can improve from the first one. So yeah. if anybody wants to take me up on a wager, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sometimes these people. Yeah. Well... If they if he doesn't like uh, the Last of Us Part Two, he might actually like Last of Us the TV show. Yeah, that's also a really, really interesting move that Sony announced. That came out of nowhere. Nobody saw it happening. I mean, it's uh it's going to be an HBO show, and the uh, the producer for Chernobyl, which is like one of the best shows ever, mm-hmm. uh, is going to produce it. And Neil Druckmann, the creative director on the uh, Last of Us, or the game director, I think now. Is also yeah. going to write a few episodes. Yeah, good but for him. Like really, really interesting because that almost never happens. That never happens. Full stop, man. Yeah, like at all. That's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, I mean, a TV show actually might work in its favor because, I mean, if it's an HBO show, it's probably going to be. It's probably going to take two or three years to film and make, and then they're going to put out 10 episodes and they're going to call it a season. And then we'll see if that gets popular enough so that they can spend another two or three years making another season. I have the perfect guy. I hope they cast this guy, but I know the perfect guy to play play Joel Joel in the TV show. Who? His name is... uh, Jason Thoreau, I believe. He's from a TV show Jason called... Jason Thoreau? Yeah, from The Leftovers. Um, it's actually in The Leftovers that there's this part in which he has a, a beard and a haircut kind of like Joel. And like yeah. at that moment, I, when I was looking at the episode, I was thinking, okay, this is Joel. This is literally Joel from The Last of Us. They need to cast this guy because he'll nail it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it, maybe they, that's what they should have done with, uh, instead of making an Uncharted movie, they should have just made an Uncharted TV show. It would have been out by now, for one. I heard that it's, it, the, the movie got a release date, but that the director that was attached dropped out again. So dropped out again, exactly. I think this, uh, this, TV, this movie is in limbo, to put it that way. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if it doesn't go the way of the Gambit movie, I don't know what. I wonder if, uh, if, for example, the Metal Gear movie is ever going to get made. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Because that also but, had a director. Yeah, wait, who was producing that? Sony? Uh, initially, like years ago, they said Sony was going to do it, but I don't know if Sony's still attached. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if they have the rights, you mean. Yeah. They have the rights, but I don't know if they still have them. Yeah. Well, we, I guess we won't know until some news breaks about that. Yeah. And in the meantime, if people want to know if love blooms on the battlefield, they can do it in uh, Call of Duty's new mode that's coming out uh, later today. Or as we're recording later today. But yeah, by the uh, time you're listening to this, it's, out. it's already out. Yeah. In a surprise move, finally, because 
you know, Warzone started leaking out like two or three weeks ago, and every wait seriously, yeah. I mean, they brought out an update for season two, as they call it. Yeah. And then initially, in when you start up the game, there's this intro cutscene. Already there, they teased like uh, Warzone, and yeah. then um, in the menu you had like a fourth option for a game mode, but it was classified. And then videos started leaking out. Data miners found a lot of stuff around the game mode and weapons and whatnot. Mm. It was like this: the weirdest leak bonanza or whatever you want to call it. And then eventually, yesterday, uh, a lot of influencers oh i hate that uh got to play the game and a couple of days earlier and posted their uh, videos around that uh, with their thoughts and so they announced that the mode is coming out today yeah so and- they're doing it in two tiers but the tiers make absolutely no friggin' sense to me so um at what was it again 11 a.m uh eastern yeah um it's gonna go live for people that own modern warfare um and for people that don't own modern warfare can download the standalone version of uh warzone and that goes live i think the uh, six or s- four or six hours later at 3 p.m so that would be yeah like four hours later Something like that. So yeah, so like nine o'clock, nine nine p.m. in in uh, in Western Europe. So yeah, yay, yay! I'm a, I fired up Call of Duty Modern Warfare yesterday because um, I didn't play it for like two weeks because I'm totally hooked on something else. So I was like, <laughs> okay, let me see if I still got it. I, I luckily still got it. So when it comes out later today, I'll be going all in on that. It's funny yeah. that it's a standalone game. Eh? I think a lot of people yeah. expect that. So you don't have to own the initial Modern Warfare. You can play this game if you just have a PC or, or an Xbox or a PS4. And it's also cross-play. So I can, for example, play on my PC while you're on your PlayStation. Yeah. And it's free to play. And if you have the game, all the progress you make in the in the Battle Royale mode transfers over to the, to the normal multiplayer in the... Vice versa as well. Yeah, so if you don't have the game and you build up progress in the game and you buy the game later, then it, then it also transfers over. Oh, okay. No, nah, for a minute there, I thought you were about to say, like, if, you, if you've if you played multiplayer and you're going into war zones, that transfers over. So basically, you're a big fat cheater if you already... Oh, no, the like, uh, there's no reason <laughs> you can't cheat because um, all, the game, all the weapons are... You start with a pistol and yeah. all the weapons are just to be found. And it's like a be- simple, be- it's like a basic battle royale. You just pick up different weapons with different rarities, and they have attachments or stuff like that. The more rarer they get, but it's actually cool that they've grabbed some maps from older Call of Duty games, such as Terminal from Modern Warfare Two. So they've added mm. it to it, so it's like kind of naturally woven in. And other multiplayer maps have also been woven into it. And there are also objectives you can participate in. So there's this mode called Bounty. So for example, that another player's mark is a bounty and you have to try to kill that player and then you get extra loot or bonuses because there's also an in-game economy in the game. You can basically earn money and with mm. that you can unlock perks or um, drops. Is, uh, is there microtransactions then? I don't know about that part, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was because it's already in there now in Modern Warfare. It is? 
Yeah, yeah, it's been part of the Call of Duty franchise for a couple of games now. You can uh, buy Battlef- uh, Battlefield, uh, Call of Duty coins, and with those coins, you can um, either buy uh, vanity items such as skins for your characters or blueprints for weapons, or you can buy uh, the expand the season pass with it or the battle pass as they call it, and also um, skip tiers in the battle pass because the battle pass is like. 60 tiers and you can either do it the slow way by gathering xp or you can just buy a tier um what's also funny about warzone is that if you get killed you Mm -hmm. go to the gulag as they call it and it's this kind of prison and then um Mm -hmm. you there's an option for you to return back to the game to respawn to the game so either your teammates can buy a respawn token for you and respawn you, or when you get sent to the Gulag, you're basically in this prison and there's this kind of cage fight in which you can take a, you have to fight against somebody one-on-one, and if you win, you just have guns to do it. If you win, you get respawned into Warzone, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's like this different take. Why are you laughing? That is hilarious. <laughs> I, I think it's a pretty cool uh, original take on uh, on respawning. Oh, well, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but, hey. okay, that, I mean, it sounds interesting. Um, it, it is. Didn't it is. see that coming at the very least. Yeah, uh, there are also other modes in there. So there's a, a mode that you have to capture a point, or there's also another mode that you have to uh or, or capture supply so they're trying to mix it up a bit instead of just saying well you just have to kill each other um yeah. is also a bit more dynamic in there so that the, the combat shifts a little bit um, i've seen some footage it looks really cool i'm honestly excited because but is it like so it's like a, like a hundred players at the same time right so what I read was 100 players, but I've also heard people saying maybe 150 players, but I don't know about that part. Yeah. I think it's 100 players. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I think Battle Royale is kind of, the hype is over, because I mm-hmm. rarely hear somebody talk about Battle Royale. Um, so that's why I was kind of excited for this, because it's a proper Modern Warfare Battle Royale game, and not a crazy... Fortnite or unfortunately Firestorm, which didn't end up the way I thought it was gonna end. Uh, I think I think that's also probably the reason why Warzone is also a standalone thing, because I think I at the very least I think they realized that if it was just in modern warfare, the player base wouldn't grow. That's possible, yeah. So yeah, I mean all you'd be left with is the hardcore call of duty players and they probably would get bored and just return to regular multiplayer but if you make it free to play a standalone free to play uh thing then you a get more people in it and also you get people that might actually buy the full game afterwards yeah so actually a brilliant strategy I uh, I'm curious to see I mean I I have put in a lot of hours into uh Modern Warfare I still like it. Um, it's just that, yeah, I'm just trying to find something else to play in the meanwhile because I want some variation. Mm-hmm. But besides that, um, yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Well, we'll try it out and let you guys know in the next episode uh, in uh, what we've been playing, uh, how that went and how we feel about that. Um, and to leave things off before we go to uh, 
this week's what we've been playing. There's one more thing that kind of took us, well, completely by surprise, not even a little bit. Um, some of you guys probably have heard of the um, uh, retailer games, GameStop, which sells video games, of course. Um, they've been doing so for years. They haven't been doing that well. Like, as in um, employees uh, being forced to do some really, really underhanded stuff just to get people in the door and get them to buy stuff and force them to pre-order and buy used games and a whole bunch of other weird practices that they've been doing. The past couple of years, they've been like bleeding money and it's been really rough on, on the company. So they decided to bring in Reggie fils the former president of Nintendo, as one of their board of directors, along with two other people, actually, um, that are also prominent uh, from the game industry as well. But that, but that one kind of really stood out to people that uh, Reggie was being uh, was Reggie was going to be on the board of directors as of I think April twentieth, um, along with uh, Bill Simon and uh, James. Uh, Semantic, yeesh, that spelling. Um, and yeah, the, it, it's just really weird that they're being drafted to a company that is basically the equivalent of a sinking ship. But yeah, um, Reggie actually posted about it on Reggie posted it on Twitter, and I, I honestly can't tell. Um, I honestly can't tell if if they're being serious or not. I mean, obviously they are, but it, it's it's still a really weird thing for me to see that. And I hope games, GameStop makes it out of it, but I don't know if they're going to make it out of it. Um, I guess only time will tell with that one, and we'll see uh, if Reggie can actually help steer the company into some level of prosperity. Um, I just muted my mic. Uh, I'm curious to see what he's going to do. <laughs> I mean, Reggie left Nintendo for probably a reason. Um, yeah, I mean, he he like actively retired and he started giving lectures at his alma mater. So yeah, I mean, like it's something you see often. That let me put let me put it in a way that Reggie's generation, so Reggie and uh, uh, Sean Layden from Sony. Mm. And uh, what was the guy, uh, Jack Tretton? They were all kind of like in the same generation of at the head of their respective companies. And they yeah. all kind of left because I think they've been in the job and with their companies for two or sometimes three decades. They're eventually like, okay, you know what? I want to do something else or I can maybe do something else. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there's this itch that they kind of can't get rid of, of how it is to be in the industry. Uh, and that's why they're kind of coming back. I mean, otherwise, Reggie would probably just have kept on doing what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason why uh, uh, famous uh, anime movie director Hayao Miyazaki keeps retiring and then coming back to make another movie. No idea who the dude is, but yeah, if you say so. <laughs> of course you don't. I don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have patience for... That's a topic for a different conversation. Yeah, that's a topic for a different conversation. But um, that is it for the news. So uh, stick around and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. 
Alrighty, righty, righty. Welcome back, everybody. We are at our second segment. What have we been playing? What have you been playing, Maximilian? Well, uh, a huge demo dropped uh, last week um, for a game that people have been waiting for about... Well, when did the PlayStation 3 come out again? 2006? Uh, uh, PlayStation 2006, 2007, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so ever since a certain technical demo was showed at E3 for the PlayStation 3, people have been wanting this game. And now it's finally happening. It's a mere month away, people. And that game is, of course, Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I played the demo. As soon as it came out, I I played it. Um, I did a recording of it. Um, the, uh, The highlights of that will be going up soon on our YouTube channel. So look out for that one as well. Um, yeah, it's it's okay. So a little, <laughs> I, I I don't know how to explain this without giving a little bit of context. So I'm just gonna give a real quick uh, history lesson here. I have only played Final Fantasy VII, the original game, twice in my life, um, and I've only played the first part, which is what this demo covers, and a little part somewhere I think around this two or whatever. Because I never owned Final Fantasy VII growing up, even though I owned a PlayStation back then. And ironically, I owned a PlayStation because I wanted to play more RPGs like Final Fantasy. Oh, my God. And, and I never owned... Like, the only Final Fantasy game that I ever owned on PlayStation was Final Fantasy Tactics. So I don't have that same nostalgic itch that everybody has when it comes to Final Fantasy VII. To me, the best Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy ever was Final Fantasy VI. I never played Final Fantasy VII at all, so like, I share your... But that being said, playing this demo has got me actually somewhat excited about it. Okay. Because um, we already know that the game is pretty because um, we've seen the trailers, but having it running your own TV, having it running on your own PlayStation 4 and take into effect... I don't own a PlayStation 4 Pro or a 4K TV. I was playing this at 1080p, and it looks gorgeous. And it runs smooth at 30 frames per second. That thing is locked. I need to download the demo. (laughs) At the very least, you need to check it out because it is a very pretty demo. Um, It is very well paced, and it teaches you the ins and outs of of the basic um, battle mechanics which is no longer turn-based. So for those that are disappointed that it's not turn-based, they do have a mode that kind of mimics turn-based mechanics. I haven't tried it out yet. I just played regularly on normal. Um, It kind of reminds me of Final Fantasy XV, and Final Fantasy XV was more tactical. Um, And it really works because... uh, Unlike vanilla Final Fantasy XV, where you could only play as uh, Prince Noctis, you can actually play as the other members of the team. So in the demo, you can only play as Cloud and Barrett. And switching between them is relatively easy to do. Um, it It's really smooth. It's a really smooth action. Um, it kind of feels action-y at first because they set you up and they tell you that, well, if you want to attack, 
you hit the square button uh, repeatedly to do combos. You can switch. You can switch your stances from um, what they call operator and punisher mode, and uh, that basically switches you from quick attack to hard attacks, um, and vice versa. And it's a really cool setup to do. Um, honestly, the, the only thing I can say is like if you own a PlayStation Four, just download the demo and play it because the I'm not going to do it enough justice. There are other people out there that can do the explanation of how the battle system works more justice than I can. But from my experience, it has been really fun. Um, you eventually get to do also uh, special abilities, which are special attacks, where you um, where you can use special moves like Bracer and um, Fortrust um, and Overdrive if you're Barrett where he shoots um, like really powerful shots, which is really cool to see because, my goodness, the particle effects in this game, so many particle effects. Every time when you slash, every time when you shoot, it's particle effects galore. So if you're a big fan of particle particle effects, this is your jam, oh, <laughs> like man, seriously. Oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> the combo is real the, you can really combo into stuff um you can build up your uh, limit break but that all oh, that also works a bit differently um you still have an atb so you still have um the bar that loads up so that you can do the abilities but that's also tied into using uh items so if you don't have an atb bar filled you can't use items oh, okay. you can't cast spells you can't use abilities so basically you have to be very good at you know attacking and dodging um so that you can build up an a- your ATB bars so that you can actually do abilities um or if you need to heal yourself heal yourself with a spell or a potion um in the demo uh cloud can only use the fire spell um and has two abilities bracer and forward thrust um and uh, Barrett has two magic spells, Thunder and Cure. And, of course, he has his gun arm, which he uses to uh, to attack and fire. Um, and the way they set it up is actually kind of brilliant because uh, when Barrett is introduced, he's introduced because he can target um, enemies that are either flying or far away. Um, basically, enemies that Cloud can't attack because he has just a sword. Um, and that's actually really that's really neatly set up. So it forces you to switch between the two characters and play more tactical. And when you finally reach that scorpion uh, tank boss, um, you really have to st- the pull out strategies and strafe around the enemy and have, use cloud and have him hit a weak spot on the on the shield generator so that that goes down. So you can use Barrett to use his lightning attack and shoot his uh, overdrive shots. And then take the boss down, and like the boss battle is really cool, and that like that alone sold me on getting Final Fantasy VII remake, because I was like, yeah, sure, you guys have your Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm just gonna sit here and wait for Trials of Mana to come out because that one is also coming out in April. I'm so excited for that one as well. But now it's like, well, dang, now I have two RPGs that I want to play. 
<laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <It's> uh, <laughs> like, not enough time in the world. <laughs> oh, you'll find time. <laughs> um, does it, yeah. it the progress from the demo carry over to the game? No, no okay. this is like a hundred percent standalone. Uh, okay. demo. And the game is going to cost first... sixty bucks, right? Uh, yeah, but considering that the demo was a la- the first time I played through the demo was about an hour. Um, considering the length of that, um, and from what I've heard from previews, they have really mixed up the game, and they've exp- basically they've expanded on that Midgar section to um, be more uh, to cover more stuff to to go more in depth in the story. So it just it doesn't from what people have seen so far, it doesn't feel like it's like they're like it's a cop out, and that they really fleshed out that first part of the okay. of the story so yeah i mean i guess we'll see and if not i, I can always pick it up on a discount yeah um, i mean when, uh, when the time comes so yeah so that was final fantasy 7 uh the demo again if you i can rant about it all i want it's not gonna do it justice if you play the demo you'll see for yourself if it's a game that you want to play or not um, other than that, I have been playing um, other games. I've been playing Dauntless on my Switch. Oh, how's that going now? Um, it's okay. I mean, thank goodness that there, it has cross-play because the multiplayer can be really hard to get into, and that's literally the only thing it has. I mean, you can play, sing, you can play a, a mission solo if you want, but it is re- the game is really made to be played with other people. Because I tried one difficult, um, I, did, I I tried one difficult mission, and it took forever to get the behemoth down. And it's not fun playing alone. It oh. really, it just isn't. Like playing Dauntless alone is not fun. But it's the same with the playing, mission. That's also not fun alone. And yeah, Destiny, but not fun alone. Exactly. But here's the funny thing, like, because Dauntless is basically a Western take on on uh, monster hunter and i can play monster hunter on my own and i don't get bored by playing monster hunter on my own i don't like monster hunter but yeah i mean and uh i don't know. like it's fine um i played it handheld and i played it on my tv and i'd rather play it on my tv because on handheld the game just looks terrible <laughs> I don't know how they pull that off, but it's like the they it's lower than 720p when you're playing handheld. So you can really tell. And even on the small screen, you can really tell. But when it's uh, on the TV, I think it's it's not 1080p, not by a long shot, but it's a higher resolution and it and it plays more smoothly. Like I think I think they have an uncapped frame rate, which is like the worst possible thing. Either lock it at 30 or don't lock it at all if you're trying to hit 60. Um, but I think the reason why it ended up being that way is because it's um, cross-play with PC. So, yeah. So you're either playing with people on PC or you're playing with people on Switch or both. Um, but the the, the, ga- the core gameplay is good. Like, it's good, it's solid, it's fun uh, when you have a full team to go up against a behemoth. The only thing that I'm missing is a lock-on feature, which, you know, the older Monster Hunters didn't have a lock-on feature until Monster Hunter Try, but they realized that a lock-on feature is handy because 
well, otherwise you can't strafe around the enemy. And you have to do a lot of strafing around enemies in this game. And it's kind of a challenge because you have to always tweak with your right analog stick. Um, the combat is really solid. Uh, it feels it feels more action gamey, um, if that makes any sense. Um, it feels more hack and slashy than Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter feels more methodical. Okay, it feels more like a fighting game. Um, but with but with Dauntless, it feels more hack and slashy. Um, you're a lot quicker with your combos. Um, but you do still have to commit to those combos when you do them. Um, other than that, yeah, it's been fun. Um, I, I, I got some more stuff. I've been playing through the main campaign. Um, I, the re I think the reason I stopped originally is because I got stuck on one particular, uh, behemoth and it was just not giving me the drops that I wanted. Um, so I finally got the drops that I wanted. So I was able to play further. Um, I so most that I've actually played since the game came out on Switch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was fun. Um, and the other thing that I played was uh, Animal Crossing uh, New Leaf in preparation of Animal Crossing New Horizons, which, oh my God, that game looks so pretty and I want to terraform my island so bad. Oh my God. But, uh, oh man, seriously, I, ne I need some like fresh Animal Crossing in my life because... Uh, <laughs> Because I've because oh I've kind of because after a couple of years, you kind of gotten all you can get out of this get out of the current game, and I just want I just want to be able to like shape my island to my own to my own liking, and just chill and catch new bugs and do some fishing and and just like have my zen moment right there because. That's what Animal Crossing is all about. It's about the Zen. Okay, it's, it's just about chilling, and uh, we're, we're, I'm gonna make sure that we're gonna play some Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons uh, when it comes out. But yeah, like we, the funny part is, like a lot of people that I know are really excited about <laughs> Animal Crossing really? New Horizons. Yeah, like a lot of people that we both know are really excited for this game. Okay. Some people that I even didn't even didn't think that they own switches own switches because of Animal Crossing. Oh, right. yeah, it's like ridiculous. Like I don't even know where to begin. It's just crazy to me. So I've been just trying to gather as many people as possible there and um, syncing up with them and you know putting them on my friends list. So when Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons comes comes out, I can invite them to my island and go visit their islands, okay. and you know catch bugs and catch unique stuff that's on their island, and then bring it to mine and have it populate. <laughs> um, yeah, because you yeah because the way it works is like when you have your own village, um, you get your village fruit, and that's only available on your village. But someone else's village might have say pears and yours has apples and you can get pears from their island plant them on your uh plant them on your in your village and then you'll have pear trees so that that's how cool. you get that stuff and you can get yeah. your apple stuff to exactly them. so that they can have apples nice. so that they don't have to come back the whole time and ruin stuff can you also but trade they, and stuff like that like have like a yeah. trade route and 
You can trade stuff. You can give people presents, of course. You can send them messages. Um, but the 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 thing that is like a real extra neat thing that they added is that you used to be able to you're always able to invite other people from other villages to yours, but you'd have to pay attention to them because they will just ruin everything if they are inclined to do so if they're you know trolls wow they'll just go around and chop down all your trees and do that and yeah they can just uproot all your flowers and just ruin your whole village but now you can lock that stuff out unless they're your best friend so people that you just know visiting your village can't knock can't knock down your trees can't mess with your flowers can't put pitfalls in it so that you fall in and struggle so Maybe yeah that's actually really i don't nice. have the game because i would so oh yeah you would totally troll oh, i would just just walk <laughs> i would just destroy everything <laughs> exactly. just because i can <laughs> yeah 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 see and that's why you would never be my best friend in animal crossing okay i can live with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, so uh, that's about it. The only other thing that I played was uh, Dark Souls. And, uh, well, uh, people that have listened to, to Game Rivals before already know what I feel about Dark Souls. Screw Blighttown. Yeah, you've mentioned that before. And the horse it came on. It came in on. But, uh, yeah, I've been trying to play that again just to... Um, I need to finish that game, so I'm, I'm every once in a while I'm just gonna d- dive back in and hopefully get past that stupid point. <sighs> yeah, so that's basically what I've been playing. Okay, nice. You've been playing a lot more than I've been playing. I've only uh, condensed my time into two games because time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been playing Cold War Three Kingdoms, of course, and. Have- Grown larger. China is indeed growing a little bit larger, a bit slower this time because I am taking a different approach. Um, In the last campaign that I was playing, I was, um, how to put it? Ruthless. Ruthless, merciless. The ends justified the means. So you would only have to cross me once and I would go all out war and I would continue till I destroyed you. Um, And now, I'm a bit more, let me put it this way. I don't instigate the wars. So in the last mm. one, I would say, okay, it's time to attack a new faction. Wah! And I would swarm them with my armies. So now it's more that I just focus a lot more on building up my my empire, to put it that way. So upgrade my mm. villages into cities and upgrade uh, all the, the, the thingies in there. So the farms and the, 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 the public order. I also focus more on diplomacy and on trading. Um, but for some reason, people are getting... There's a mechanic in the game and they can become scared of you because your military might is, for example, bigger than theirs. So you actually form or pose a threat to them. And then yeah. they just... You can see that, for example, you can be really good with one faction and then all of a sudden, three turns later, that faction starts to hate you because your armies are stronger or bigger or whatnot. And then eventually they're like, well, I think we need to put an end to you. And then... A coalition forms, they gang up on you, they try to take you out. Um, luckily, um, I have this massive empire and pretty strong units because that's also what I focused on early on to kind of get stronger units in the really early part of the game with mm. reforms, for example. 
So um, this morning, for example, I was playing a game in which I had an army of 1,100 soldiers and I was up against two armies combined of around 1,800 soldiers. And um, obviously I won. <laughs> and it's also that, but the funny thing is, is it kind of happened without me knowing. So what I generally do is, is um, your game has, your generals have a certain role. So they're either a commander or a sentinel or a champion or a vanguard or a strategist. And they have like colors that, that differentiate themselves and units have the same color. So you kind of know which units to pair up with which general. And then they mm -hmm. have different roles. So for example, a strategist is, is blue. Blue equals archers. Archers are soldiers that stand in the back. So you should never send your strategist to fight with a sword because he'll probably get his ass kicked. But he has certain abilities such as fire arrows or specific tactics he can employ. And then there's, for example, a champion who's kind of this, this nitty-gritty fighter. Um, he can win duels if you have one-on-one -on -one duels with other generals, which you can do. He can almost always win those duels or he's really good at, at fighting against an army. For example, vanguards are really good at holding an army in its place and it's also recommended to pair it up with certain units. So what I generally do is, is I build an army and I have like a uh, vanguard, uh, strategist, and a champion. So I have all bases covered. And then usually I give the vanguard, I give them cavalry units so they can kind of flank in the back and take out the archers of the enemy because, you know, archers are pretty deadly. Um, so in this case, I had my armies kind of like waiting. I had my uh, cavalry hiding in the, in the woods, ready to ambush them. And I was so focused on my cavalry that I didn't realize that my main army was being attacked. But by the time I realized that, my main army had almost wiped out the whole enemy force without me actually giving them orders to do it because I was so focused on my cavalry. And it's because I had so many archers that it was literally this wall of, of arrows flying at, at these little battalions. And then every time a battalion would storm my army, all armies, all archers would gang up on him and you would see this rain of arrows. And then within like three or four seconds, either the whole battalion <laughs> would be wiped out or they would rout and run away. Uh, because that's also cool that there's morale. It's been in the game for multiple, in multiple games that when the morale of a certain unit starts to decline, they start to get, incur more casualties. And when their morale really breaks, they run off or general dies. They have no more morale. They run away. Um, so yeah, and the funny thing is, is um, I am in the part that so Romance of the Three Kingdoms, where uh, Three Kingdoms is based on, is it's actually based on three big factions: Wei, Wu, and Shu. And I am the Shu faction. The Wu faction is still alive. The Wei faction, I've managed to wipe them out. Whereas in the previous campaign, I had to wipe out the Wei as last because they were the strongest. But eventually, yeah. they started this war with me. And it pissed me off so much because I was kind of at peace with the guy. And yeah. he pissed me off so much that I just tried to I create a peace with all other factions that I was in war with or that instigated war. And I focused all my efforts on Wei. And I also vassalized a couple of factions. So we ganged up on them. And then every other few turns, they were the Wei guys would say, hey, hey, we want peace. We want peace. I'm like, no, man, you messed with the wrong guy. I'm going to go till the end. We're going to wipe you off from this map and then we'll see. <laughs> and I was really determined. So like every time, they, every three turns, they were like, hey, we, we want to give you money. Like, no, I don't want your money. We want to give you this. No, I don't want that. Like, but please, we want peace. I'm like, no, the only way you will find peace is in death. So die. <laughs> yeah. 
don't oh, crush stuff, you know? Oh my goodness. So yeah, so now there are smaller factions, whereas in my previous campaign, all these smaller factions are, would have been wiped out by now. So there are a lot more smaller mm. factions that have decided to declare war on me. There's one faction called Kong Rong. He was really nice to me, and all of a sudden he flipped, and then I had the same thing. We're going to go till you die. He offered me peace, and he found peace in death. <laughs> wow, okay. Do but you know what the funny guy? thing is? <laughs> the funny thing is, is you have... Um, your your faction has a um, reputation towards others. So you're, you're, you're emperor and you can be either treacherous or you could be uh, trustworthy or you can be respected. In the previous campaign, I always was either trustworthy for a little bit and then I would be treacherous for a long bit because I would either annex all my vassals and absorb them into my army or I would... Yeah. Uh, so I would create peace with one, and then three turns later, I would have to declare war on them, saying, hey, but you've recently signed treaties, and now you're betraying them, so you're a treacherous person. So now I'm a respected person, because I make, I choose, the, or I make the, the, the good choices, or I, I go for the greater good. So it's funny that I'm taking a whole different approach. I'm also employing more spies, so I'm trying to figure out what the other factions are doing. Um, yeah. So it feels like I'm getting far more from the game than I used to do in my first session, because in my first session it was a lot of combat, and now yeah. it's less combat, more diplomacy and trading and, and army building. So it's, yeah, it's really. I just checked on Steam. I have 103 hours into the game, and I, I think it's going yeah. to be a lot more. Also because uh, Creative Assembly is releasing a new downloadable content pack, kind of like a mini expansion on March 19th. Um, it will add either new generals or existing generals will get like their, their, their own campaign. So they showed a video on, for example, that there is this general from the, the Wu faction called Sun Se. He's the son of the faction leader. And then he has different mechanics such as luck. So you have to do certain missions because normally you have like the normal missions that you have to get to the end of the game but now you have far smaller assignments and missions that you need to complete to earn points towards your luck meter because when your luck kind of runs out your character will die and with each passing turn your luck will slowly decline you kind of need to counteract that by doing taking actions to raise your luck again um, he also has a far more aggressive play style and he's also for example in the start of his campaign he is a vassal to another emperor so you don't have that freedom and then eventually you can choose to either break off and declare your independence or you can um follow the story uh they'll be adding a lot more new units and you know it's still the same map it's just that it's set in a different time so the landscapes change a little bit uh, i like the fact that they're doing these small boost packs or content packs instead of these big expansions because it yeah. also allows them to do more regular content instead of once every six months or whatever um so yeah that's my time with uh total war and um the expansion pack for the division two came out last week warlord oh, yeah. uh, i bought it and um i've i haven't finished it yet so how warlords of new york works is, is that you have aaron keener the bad guy from the previous game division one you need to find him so you go back to new york um he has four lieutenants and you need to take them all four out and then you get intel to go after aaron keener I've taken out two now. I'm working on the third. How it works is, is they all have an area in New York that they're based in, and then you need to 
three or four missions in that area. Main missions to beat the boss and get more intel on Aaron Keener. Um, it's really cool to see that it's in a different side of New York. Uh, there are recurring characters from the first game, which is nice. Um, they have overhauled the game a lot. So you start at level, they've raised the level cap from 30 to 40. So if you don't have uh, a level 30 character, you can use like this booster pack and raise that character to 30 immediately. Um, the funny thing is, is all your high-end gear from your current character is kind of like reset to zero. So when you start in Warlords of New York, you still have that gear, but you will start to get new gear and it will still be like in a lower tier. So it'll be like green gear, blue gear, purple, yeah. and then working its way up to high end. Um, this also allows you to get more diverse weapons because the metas changed, of course. So yeah. I use a lot of uh, SMGs and M4s right now. And in the meta of the previous one, it was um, a lot of DMRs and LMGs. So I like the, the variation there. Um, they've overhauled the armor system. Like they've, they've done a lot of overhauls of all the systems. So it's, it's more focused on also skill because in the previous game, you could use your abilities, but you had to have a specific area that you need to focus on. But I didn't use that at all. I was more focused on armor and damage. And now they change it up a bit so that people can also spec into those skills and get more out of that. Um, I don't know if there's a, a big end game part because I haven't finished the game yet. Um, I'm playing bite size. It's yeah, it it feels familiar, and at the same time, it's not something bad necessarily. I just hope that there is some more end game content involved as soon as you. Otherwise, it would be. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was it wouldn't be worth thirty euros, but I do expect something more for. Yeah, and that's basically it. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm curious to see how you how you you find the end game uh, of this content patch. So, because I, I, I heard it, it's like, oh, okay, even if you don't have a character that's uh, level thirty, you can create a new character and then have that start off at level thirty and. Yep work away from there so i mean it's cool that they're doing that kind of feels like uh when you get an expansion for uh, um destiny warcraft world of warcraft, oh, world of warcraft. Uh, yeah yeah well, destiny cool. does the same thing basically oh, this okay. is to be the taken king of the division of the division yeah all right cool awesome so, uh, I guess that's what we've been playing. So, stick around and we'll be right back with Far Hidden Gems. And welcome back to our final segment. As always, the Hidden Gems! Sean Templar. <laughs> I can't hear what you're saying now. Hey, what? <laughs> what is your hidden gem? What? <laughs> huh? Oh, um, you can hear me. My hidden gem is a game, and people know it. That it's kind of my favorite franchise, or one of my favorite franchises. It's the game called Battlefield Bad Company Two. Mm. Um, some consider it one of the better Battlefield games Dice has made in the past. Um. It was also I would, I would actually agree with that. Wow, I'm surprised. <laughs> I, play, I played the first battle, the Bad Company. I played Bad. Uh, I also played Bad Company too a bit. Yeah. I like them. 
So Bad Company was a complete change for Dice when they started on it because it was one of the it was the first Battlefield game that actually had a fully fledged single player with a story and and real characters in it. Um, you were you you were part of this. You were a rookie in this squad that uh, is basically. I wouldn't say kind of the outcasts of the army, but they are the weird guys in the army. Um, and in the first game, it was set in Europe. The second game took you all over the place. There was more, it started out with a mission in, in World War II, for example. Um, so you would have this, this really cool and funny single-player campaign that you would follow. Um, a signature feature of the Bad Company franchise was that you could destroy almost everything. And so in Bad Company 2... They went even further by saying, literally, you can destroy everything. Um, what I liked about that game is, is that it just felt so, it felt good. I mean, the mechanics were nice. The gunplay was nice. Um, you could literally blow everything up. I mean, that was also fun when at the start of the match, you would see all these buildings and all these houses. And then at the end of the match, you would see this this panning shot over the map and you would see that the entire buildings were wiped out um you could literally blow everything up and that was cool because sometimes you would just be in this house and then all of a sudden everything starts to shake and bam the house used to collapse on top of you and you would just be dead um it also was it wasn't as as expansive from a weapons customization part that's something they improved on in battlefield 3 so you would have these pre-made kits and then you could maybe add a scope or or not. That was the only thing you could add. But the classes were balanced really well. Uh, you had a, an engineer, an assault class uh, with meta capabilities. You would have a sniper and a heavy machine gunner. Kind of the same formula Battlefield fo follows now. Um, they had a great variety of maps. So some maps were really focused on infantry combat. Some were really focused on, on vehicle combat. Um, you could play up to 64 players in multiplayer. Uh, and what they later did is, is they added an expansion called Battlefield Bad Company 2 Vietnam, in which they would add a whole Vietnam section to the game. Um, it almost felt like it's entire a separate game on its own. It was that it was that good and that accurate and expansive. So you would have flamethrowers and M60s and M16s, yeah. um, and it really, from a from a visual point of view, it was really nice because I can always remember that. It was so colorful compared to how Battlefield games are now. For example, yeah. Battlefield 3 was really gritty. It had this really gritty gray filter over it. But I would remember that the, the, the greens or the reds or the yellows would really pop uh, and stand out. Um, as well as the characters from the single player. As well as the characters. It, oh, man, I love the single player of both games, man. Those characters are so ridiculous. Yeah. They're like, they're so, like, they're, 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 they're just the right of over the top yeah. that doesn't become insulting, but also not so underplayed that it's just trying too hard. Yeah. It's like just that perfect level of like, those are bros that you kind of want to see what they're going to get up to next. Yeah. They had yeah. this perfect balance on that. Not too crazy, not too serious. I remember one of the characters, I think he was from Texas. I don't know. He you, he loved to blow stuff up. So we yeah. constantly find reasons <laughs> to blow stuff up. And that was so funny that we do that. And then you had this really smart ass guy with the glasses and was always a bit panicky and scared and really careful. Like, oh, should we do that? Uh, I don't know if that's the right thing to do right now. And they're like, yeah. no, yeah, we're going to blow it up because, you know, that's what we do. Throw dynamite at it. 
you know, stuff like that. So that will really yeah. make it funny. <laughs> um, I, I know that a lot of fans have been asking for Bad Company 3. I know that they should. Yeah, they really should. Yeah, and yeah. I also know that it's it's been rumored for a really long time that Dice is working on Band Company Three. Um, it it might be the next Battlefield that comes out. Who knows? Because uh, EA and Dice have confirmed that a new Battlefield game is in development. It's coming out next year probably, um, mm-hmm. and it looks amazing apparently, and it plays amazingly. Um, I'm honestly. I I haven't played a lot of Battlefield Five any any recently. Maybe also because I've been playing a lot of Modern Warfare on my PlayStation, and every time I go back to Battlefield, I kind of don't have the same feel for it with the mouse and keyboard. Whereas before, I could play really nicely and smoothly, and now it's taking me a lot more time to get used to the mouse and keyboard. And by the time I'm used to it, I'm at the point that I'm like, eh, you know what? I'll just skip this and play some Modern Warfare. Um, I know that Battlefield has been getting a lot, a lot of updates. They've been adding new content to Battlefield Five, and also uh, a lot of improvements to the games and the mechanics. It's yeah. just that I don't have the same feeling for it that I used to have last year. Mm. Maybe it's because Modern Warfare came out, and I have something better to play in the meanwhile. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's. Um... I'm not. It's, here's the thing. Like when Battlefield One came out and Battlefield Five, they're all like based in, you know, World War One, World War Two, stuff like that. But I but actually liked not... the Battlefield One. I never expected it to like it so much because when it was announced that it was one, I thought, yeah, eh, who's who's waiting for that? I mean, Battlefield One, World World War One weapons aren't that exciting. It's and not, then they added Zeppelins. And they, they added Zeppelins. And uh, it, the combat was so nice. And they added um, Operations, which was nice. It was just, it just felt so nice. And then I expected Battlefield 5 to be more of the same. But at the same time, it felt like a, an expansion pack, then like a completely new game. And that's maybe the, 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 the disconnect that I had with it. And I gave it a lot mm. of time because in the beginning, it was really bad. And yeah. it, it got better, but it's it never got to the point that it's consistently getting better. So one patch might fix a lot of things. The other patch might break a lot of things. So it's like this up and down. And eventually, I'm, I just got tired of that. Yeah. Hmm. That's a shame. Yeah. But if the, I'll, I will say this. If they are making Bad Company 3, I'm on board. Like I'm like 100% on board now because I like the, the single player of bad bad company one and bad company two so like if you do bad company three like get the get the band back together <laughs> let's do this i i'm i'm all in i'm all in okay yeah like legit i'm all in like uh, the only th- did the only thing i don't remember did bad company one or two have um online co-op on that i don't remember that nope. i think it didn't eh? nope. yeah battlefield three was the first game to incorporate it I think it was also the last game to incorporate it until Battlefield Five. Oh, oh! It was not. Okay. I don't think it was that popular because you also noticed with Battlefield 3's co-op that it was, it was so limited. It were only a, it was only a couple of missions. Oh, that's weird. Oh well, who knows? That is my hidden gem. What is yours? Well, my hidden gem is um, actually something that we missed in the news. Um, Two two consoles uh, celebrated their anniversaries. One of them was uh, the PlayStation Two, 
which uh, celebrated is what was it uh, when it came out? Twenty, almost twenty years. Twenty-five, like something like that. Twenty, no. twenty-five. PlayStation Two is not twenty-five years. Is it the PlayStation? It came out in two thousand one. Is it the PlayStation itself? It exists twenty-five years, something like that. Yeah, like the PlayStation Two, the console. Yeah, no, but I mean, like Sony's been also doing this celebration for PlayStation. That PlayStation. Oh, in brand. general, yeah. for yeah, yeah, for the brand, yeah. Yeah, the brand is like I think twenty five, twenty six years old, but like PlayStation Two is I think nineteen years old now or twenty. Twenty, I think twenty came out yeah. in two thousand, two thousand one, something like that. Yeah, so that celebrated its birthday on the same day that the Nintendo Switch celebrated its third birthday. Uh... And uh, one of the games that I picked up uh, was, well, of course, Breath of the Wild, but. We've already talked about that a whole bunch of th- bunch of times. But another game that I picked up um, at the time was a uh, launch exclusive for the Switch. Is a little title called Snake Pass. Now uh, this is um, this is a very unique platformer where you play as well as the title says a snake, and it's actually a really cool mechanic because. If you've played if if you've played any platformer of course the the first thing that comes to mind is running and jumping on enemies and stuff like that or if you played something more methodical like banjo kazooie um it, it's uh, you know it's a bunch of collecting and stuff and it feels it's more of the collectathon like banjo kazooie um even the art style kind of feels more it feels like a rare game but it's not. It's made by uh, it's made by uh, Sumo Digital, which um, if you've known them, they made the um, the very popular uh, Sonic uh, Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed, um, and the 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 game that came before that as well. And I think they worked on uh, the third game as well. Um, I'm forgetting the I'm forgetting the name on that one right now. Um, but yeah, so they made this platformer where you play as a snake, and well, snakes don't run, they don't jump, they slither, uh, slither, and you actually have to slither around the levels. Oh my god! So you can you can slither left and right, and you can go, um, you can extend your uh, your body um, up and down. And that's how you basically slither around poles to go up to a higher platform, uh, grab items, uh, and just get get all the items and then get to the goal, which is like the, the first time I heard about it, I thought it was really weird, um, but it was not that expensive. So I just like, you know what? I can't just play um uh, Breath of the Wild the whole time. I need something for in between for like downtime. So I bought that, and I really enjoyed it. Like I haven't finished yet because the last level is insanely difficult. Um, but it is really fun. The, like the difficulty does ramp up in a nice steady pace. But for some reason, I cannot get past that last that last world. Man, it's just the levels are so tough. <sighs> And the objectives are just because the at that point the game expects you to have mastered the whole game mechanic of slithering around as a snake. So you have objectives that are just floating in midair, and you have to figure out how to suspend the snake's body in midair from a pole what? that's 
on that's on this other platform. So you have to slither up to the other platform, get there, and then you have to suspend yourself so that you can get to the other side. And then you have to suspend yourself so that you can grab the Oh my goodness. It's wow. so crazy. This sounds so complicated. Like, like it gets so challenging, but the but the but that's the thing. That it the the part of it is the challenge that's really appealing to this game. And it's very unique in the fact that it is a platformer where you can't jump and you technically can't run. You can slither faster, but you really have to um, uh, you have to master the mechanic of uh, slithering from left to right with the left stick. So basically, you're not you're in control of the body, but to move forward, you're in control of the head like a real snake. So you use the head to go left and right and to speed up. And then you have to use the the, the trigger buttons to um, basically stiffen the body so that the body gets suspended when you're slithering in midair. So you can reach um, the, the item that you want to get, like it's a gem or um, some other artifact that you need to reach so that you can open the door to the next level. And did I also say that they also have a speedrun version? What? <laughs> like they have, like I, they, you have the regular levels, but you also have time trials. So the first time you beat the level, it's fine, and then you can also tackle the time trial version because you know then you know where all the gems are, so you have to, you can try and get a quick score, um, a, a quick time score, on that. Oh. It's really crazy. It's really pretty too. It's also one of the first games that was on the switch that was made in unreal engine 4 so it's oh. so you know that it's pretty i didn't know um, unreal engine 4 was available for a switch yeah man that was like one of the that's one of the reasons why you see a bunch of games that that like the early games like most of them were like unreal engine 4 games oh absolutely. yeah um but it's also available on other platforms it's on pc uh, on Steam, you can download it on PlayStation, you can download it on Xbox One. Um, it came out, I think... Uh, what was it called uh, again? Snake? Snake Pass. I think it came out like a year later on all the other platforms. So, yeah. Um, I think I saw the Steam page. Hey, Sumo Digital, I know those guys. Yeah, I know you do. Like, they're, they're, a, real that, they're a real that game company. Yeah. Because <laughs> they do a lot of um, they do a lot of work for hire. Yeah. So yeah, so it's really good. Like it's on it's on Steam for twenty bucks. And I think it costs the same on. Yeah, um, it looks really pretty, really colorful and kid friendly. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, man, they went for that rare like banjo kazooie aesthetic. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah, so uh, if you're if you're up to something, if you like a platformer, you want something a bit more challenging, yeah, that's the way to go. I won't buy it, but recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't have to buy it. I have it. So if you want to try, if whenever you want to try it, I, you can try it out on my Switch. I'll so. uh, I'll hold you to it. All right, so that is it for another Game Rivals. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, as always, you can find us on all the podcasting uh, stations. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, um, our home anchor, of course. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Over, uh, Overcast. Um, we have some new listeners that I saw from Pocket, uh, from Pocket Cast. 
welcome. Thank you for listening. Um, share the good word. Um, please don't forget to leave us five-star ratings on whatever podcasting uh, app that you're listening on. Um, you can always give us feedback on uh, via the email, via gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us a tweet at game game underscore rivals underscore who almost made that mistake there uh you can also tweet at me i'm at maximilian um you can uh also find us on instagram which is uh at game rivals um you can also send us a voice message uh you don't need to make an anchor uh account for that the link is in the description uh you can find our youtube page uh, where i will as i said before be uploading the highlights of my live stream uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake. Um, you can find a link in the description as well. Um, and I just want to do a quick shout out to the people that filled in the questionnaire for us that we've been having a, on the podcast for the past couple of months. Uh, last week was the la- the last episode was the last time that that was on. Um, that poll that uh, feedback poll is now closed. Um, we're gonna take your guys's feedback and we're gonna try and implement it to make the show even better for you guys um sean templar is there anything else that you want to tell the nice people that are listening uh no i want to thank everybody as i always do for listening and for their feedback um it really keeps us it's like the fuel that keeps this engine going uh to put it in a a race term uh i i just hope that i mean like uh, when I look back, le- leading up to let's say January, our episodes were really fuel- filled with a lot of content, and now it's just so silent in the games industry right now. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard to like find a lot of stuff to talk about because it's either about the same stuff, and we don't constantly want to talk about the same stuff, such as a lot of stuff going on around GeForce now or Stadia. I mean, like those are subjects we already touched upon, and we kind of don't want to de- beat a dead horse. And, you know, it's it feels like the silence before the storm so that hopefully soon a lot of stuff will come up. I mean, I feel like Sony might release more info on the PS5 any day now. So when that stuff comes out, we'll have jam-packed episodes to talk about. Also leading up to hopefully the next-gen console launches, we will do more. It's just that, yeah, it's just so quiet and that kind of makes it a bit more difficult to... to either play things or to talk about things because there's not a lot going on. Yeah. that's why we are so grateful for people that stick around and listen and um, still, you know, spread the good word about the podcast and let people know um, where they can find us. Uh, I hope you continue to do that and will continue to bring us the content that uh, you listen to us for. So uh, with that out of the way, um, I have been Maximilian X. And I'm still Sean Templar. And we'll catch you all next time.